Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. It has to be their choice. They're so passive aggressive. If you ask them to do something, the answer is like they don't want to have to do anything, but they'll offer to do something. They want to have to offer to do something, but they don't want to be asked to do anything. Even if they would normally want to do it or they want to have to participate or if it's something they would want to do, but they don't want to be forced to have to do anything that they don't want to have to do by somebody that they consider to be the person that they think that they're being manipulated by or whatever. They don't want to be obligated to do anything. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Now, let's talk about the worst things about covert narcissists. Well, first of all, I can just tell you that I've had to deal with two of them. And, you know, I think malignant narcissists are heinous and awful. I think that overt or grandiose narcissists are terrible too. If you want to know more about the main kinds of narcissists, check out my video on the main kinds of narcissists. None of them are great. All of them are awful. But coverts are just the worst because you don't see them coming, number one. And number two, they're so good at hiding their behavior to the rest of the world so that only their target, only their victim really sees who they are. And um, they do things so that they have like this plausible deniability. In other words, it's like really easy for them to just deny it and and have it seem plausible what they're denying. Like, you know, it's really, really hard to prove. And so they do these little tiny things that make it worse for you. So I know the first thing that I thought of um, when somebody pointed out that someone was a covert, was some, somebody pointed out to me that one of the people that I was dealing with was a narcissist. That person did not use the word covert. That person just said that other person that you're dealing with is a narcissist and has cluster B um, personality disorder. And I remember thinking, oh no, that can't be right. Um, you know, to me, a narcissist was a person who was very, very boastful, very, very braggadocious, really out there telling everybody how great they are all the time for no reason, just to tell people. And and and, and didn't have any care or compassion for others. I did know that narcissists lacked empathy and didn't have the ability to care for others. But to me, The grandiose narcissist is the one that I had in my head. I didn't have a picture of a covert narcissist. I had never even heard that term before. And it wasn't 
Until I read the book, The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist, that I really started to understand the personality type, and that book is by Debbie Mirza, and I will definitely drop a link to that below. And if you want to know more about The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist, check out my video on The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist. Um, that will definitely help you as well. But some of the worst things about uh, that I think about covert narcissists is how underhanded they are. So they do things that are very passive aggressive. And that was one of the things that I really noticed about the narcissist that I was dealing with. You know, they would forget to call you back or email you or or, or say that, um, do things that, you know, they're not supposed to do or or are are offensive. And, And you call them out on it and they, they say, oh, I thought we agreed to that. Um, and, 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 and they tell the rest of the world um, how, you know, every, the rest of the world thinks that they're so wonderful. They think that they're so nice. They come across as like the nicest, most wonderful people. Sometimes they even, you know, paint themselves as a victim, um, you know, and, you know, maybe they're sick all the time or something like that. And, um, and and they, they just seem kind of like the world isn't fair for them, and so they they paint themselves in these pictures. Um, and, and and covert narcissists also show up, by the way, as um, clergy, religious figures, um, leaders in a lot of ways. And so it's really really hard to pinpoint them. Um, and. So in Craig Malkin's book, uh, Rethinking Narcissism, he talks about the three E's and um, the three E's that that covert narcissists, or he calls them introverted narcissists, have. So the first thing that he says that you see in covert narcissists is exploitation. A lot of narcissists do this, but um, coverts especially, they will exploit situations and people to use them so that they get more attention, so that they feel more special, and that is definitely what happened with me. And, um, you know, it's just something that they use to try to get narcissistic supply. They attach themselves to people so that they can suck supply out of them and almost like try to become that person. And and so one of the things I want you to make sure that you understand is that narcissists don't attach themselves to you because you have so little value, even though that's what they want you to think. They attach themselves to you because you have so much value because they wouldn't be interested in you if you couldn't give them narcissistic supply. So exploitation is one of the things that you will definitely see, and it's one of the worst things about covert narcissists. The second thing that you will see, the second E that Craig Malkin talks about in his book, Rethinking Narcissism, is entitlement. They feel very entitled, even to things that don't have anything to do with them, even to, they they, want to take credit for things that they didn't do. Uh, 
Uh, they, 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 they want to have attention for, for things that they didn't accomplish, but they feel entitled. They should sit in the seat of the best seat in the house, whatever that looks like, because they need that in order to feel special. And so entitlement is that second thing that you often see in covert narcissists. And the third thing that he talks about is empathy impairment, which, you know, again, you see with um, all narcissists. What I have seen with, with covert narcissists is they know what they need to say uh, in the moment that they need to say it. And um, one of the things that I've noticed about covert narcissists is that when somebody is ill or in the hospital or something like that, they are actually the first ones to show up. It's unlike the other narcissists, but coverts will oftentimes be the first ones to show up, be at the bedside, sending gifts weekly or doing whatever they need to because they recognize that it's an opportunity to look good, to recognize that it's an opportunity for everybody to pay attention to the fact that look at how wonderful this person was. They sat at the bedside the entire time and, you know, but they'll, they'll only be doing that if they think there's going to be a vast audience that the right people will see it. It's not, it's not just because they actually care. The, the worst thing about covert narcissists is they know how they are supposed to behave and they will do it if they need to. But it's very strategic, very manipulative. And if nobody's watching, they don't care at all. All. And it becomes very, very clear when um, they don't have an audience because then, you know, suddenly, where are the phone calls? Where are they not showing up? Because they have this empathy impairment. Overts are the absolute worst. The worst one. You know why? Because everybody thinks that they're so nice. And then they're in there with you, death by a thousand cuts, little passive aggressive things. I've been there. I dealt with it. I had a, a covert narcissistic business partner. And on the veneer, there are the sweet ones, the kind ones, the humanitarians, the ones that everybody else sees as the good people, but they're the ones that behind the scenes are doing these passive aggressive little things to literally make you feel like you're going crazy. That's why it is so hard to get out of these relationships because you feel like if you do, the whole world is going to vilify you. You feel like if you do, no one is going to be on your side. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, 
or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bestlife to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bestlife. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. One of the strangest behaviors that I've seen of covert narcissists is that being the victim is everything to them. In every covert narcissist is that they must put themselves into being a victim place. And that's what is so crazy about a a covert narcissist because many times people think of a narcissist as this bragging person, this person who goes around telling everybody how great they are. Many times when people say a narcissist, they don't think of a covert narcissist as being a narcissist. This is a person who is I'm a victim. This person did this thing to me and I can never get my way and life isn't fair. Those are the kinds of things that you often see with a covert narcissist. But let me tell you, this is a person where being a victim means everything to them. And if you hang around them long enough, you'll see that this is the person who will refuse to say they're sorry unless they need to do it because there's an audience there. For the most part, they don't apologize. I know of a situation where somebody, you know, showed up at a funeral. They didn't, they weren't supposed to be there. They only showed up there in order to prove a point, in order to do it as a manipulation tactic. This is what they do. They act like, what? I was just showing that I love a person. I was just showing that I paying my respects. It's this kind of plausible deniability. And like, how can you question my ethics, my morals, my incentives, my motivations? You know, this kind of potential double entendre when obviously what I meant was this. What are you talking about that I, it was meant for a manipulation, that it was meant for something other than just that? When they know and everybody else knows that that's not what it was for, that, that attention means everything to them. Number two is stubbornly refusing to do things you ask them to do, even the smallest of things. It has to be their choice. They're so passive aggressive. If you ask them to do something, the answer is like they don't want to have to do anything, but they'll offer to do something. They want to have to offer to do something, but they don't want to be 
asked to do anything, even if they would normally want to do it or they want to have to participate or if it's something they would want to do, but they don't want to be forced to have to do anything that they don't want to have to do by somebody that they consider to be the person that they think that they're being manipulated by or whatever. They don't want to be obligated to do anything. If you ask them to do it, the answer is just going to, you know, they want to knee jerk and say no. Unless, of course, there's an audience. Then, of course, they want to. Then, of course, let me offer to do it. Very stubbornly refusing to do things that you ask them to do even the smallest of things. Number three, public persona, completely different than their private persona. That rage is always just below that surface. It's almost as if they they just can't stand you. It's like there's this boiling underneath them all the time. Public persona is look at me, look how helpful, look how kind I am, look what a good person I am. But at home or behind closed doors or at work or whatever it is, the business partner, I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have to be there. I don't want to be there for you. There's that rage just below the surface, that withholding of information, all that little stuff right below the surface all the time. Number four is holding grudges. One of the next strangest behaviors that you see about covert narcissists is that they hold grudges about something that you would have totally forgotten about for years, literally for years. And you didn't even realize they were holding a grudge about some that particular thing until it got brought up. It's just the craziest thing with them. Like I said, with narcissists all the time, you're either for them or against them. So they hold grudges about things for years. That's one of the strangest things about covert narcissists. But the other thing about that that's really strange is they don't even bother to tell you that they have, you've slighted them in this way. They just hold it. So that's another thing that's pretty crazy. The other thing that I think is a strange behavior about covert narcissists is that they spend lavishly on certain things, but then they are super cheap about certain things. So you'll see that they will spend lavishly on themselves. They love to have the name brand things, but then they are super cheap about gifts and super cheap about tipping, super cheap about other things. So it seems really, really ironic in a lot of ways because, you know, you'll see that they really want to have the very most expensive shoes, the very most expensive handbags or the very most expensive cars or homes or whatever. But when it comes to gift giving, they buy the minimum that they can get away with or the minimum that they can get away with as far as tipping. In a way, they are the most dangerous of all the narcissists because they 
aren't out and about with their narcissism, at least with the grandiose, they tell everybody how bragging and boastful they are. The next thing about that I think is really strange about covert narcissists is that they are chameleons. You know, wherever they are, whoever they're with, that's who they pick up the behavior about. If they're with somebody who's kind of quiet, then they'll be more like that. They even kind of dress the part. I used to be the target of a covert narcissist and she used to kind of dress exactly the way I would dress. And it was super weird. One of the things that covert narcissists will do is they will stare at you a lot. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they will stare at you because they're kind of studying you because they want to start to be able to mirror you. And that is because they are chameleons, right? Because they want to be able to take on your personality and become like you so that you will like them more so that they can start to love bomb you a little bit more, love bomb you when they need to. And remember, love bombing doesn't just happen at the beginning of the relationship. Love bombing can happen even during the relationship when they need it to manipulate you again and again and again. And the last strange behavior of a covert narcissist is the subtle put downs. They are very, very good at that. And they will work them in to the conversation when they need to. Something like, you look so great, you know, since you've lost all the weight. I mean, you know, too bad about the stretch marks, you know, but I'm sure they'll go away. I mean, look at you. You look so much better. Subtle put downs. They're very good at that sort of thing. Those are the seven strange behaviors of covert narcissists. They can drive you absolutely crazy. So if you're dealing with a covert narcissist, they use this secret weapon against you to make you think that you're crazy. Well, covert narcissists are incredibly convincing. They're incredibly convincing. I think they're the most dangerous type of narcissist. Okay. I think they're the most dangerous because they are so convincing. They're the ones out there looking like the most normal. Other types of narcissists, grandiose narcissists are out there telling everybody how amazing they are, how great they are, how wonderful they are. They're the ones out there that go in restaurants or starting go into a room and say, I did this and I did that and look at my accomplishments and look how amazing I am. Covert narcissists don't do that. Covert narcissists say, oh, I don't want to attention. I hate attention, even though they do want attention, even though they do want the world to think that they're wonderful and all of that. And so they do have this deep need wanting, you know, the world to think that they're amazing. And the reason why they are incredibly convincing in a lot of ways is that they also believe they're own made up reality of themselves. They've also almost kind of convinced themselves that they are honest and trustworthy and loyal and considerate. And they genuinely believe a lot of that, even as they're gaslighting people and as they're taking advantage of people and as they're doing these things, victimizing people. And that's part of the reason why they're so insidious. 
and very, very stealth. And they present very well. And they put put themselves in positions where they are often clergy or doctors or lawyers, or they're the first ones to show up when somebody is sick or the first ones to take care, you know, but only if it's opportunistic, only if there's going to be an audience, only if it's the right type of audience. Only if the scenario presents itself to be the right one. They have to appear in the right way. And they're masters at orchestrating situations a lot of times where they can pit people against each other, where they can dig deep wells, where it looks like they are the good person and the other person is bad, or they set themselves up so that they're calm and the other person is crazy. So they, you know, here they are, the rational one. And the other person is out of control, sobbing or screaming. And they're just, I don't know what happened there, officer. You know, while the onlookers are, oh my goodness, I, I look at that. You know, so, you know, they can be the ones who are, I, I tried for years to get the person help. Or I tried for years to, to do all that I could. And they, they come off as the likable one. They come off as the calm one. They come off as the charming one in marriage counseling or, you know, to the therapists as the the much more rational and calm one. And they can get everyone to believe that that's what's going on. They're masters at smear campaigns and at planting seeds, starting the planting of seeds. Oh, I'm so concerned about, you know, how much they had to drink that night. I I just, you know, I'm just really concerned about that situation. You know, I just I just want to make sure that everybody's okay. Oh, my heart. You know, it's it's like that. And and just lining up the flying monkeys and just starting to to groom starting to groom. And so those are the kinds of things that they'll do. And they just, they start to to weave. They start to weave and lead people down these paths. And, and people are just unaware of what they're doing. They're just unaware of what's happening because they're so good at doing these things and just remaining calm, remaining calm. And so their real secret weapon, and that's what I'm leading to here, is that they are masters, absolute masters of plausible deniability, plausible deniability. And what I mean by that is sabotaging an undermining in very, very subtle, insidious ways, but then being able to just 
look very, very innocent and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. And, you know, so for example, something could be like, I only said something about, I knew somebody said something about their child's uh, birthday or something. And realizing that it was before a date that was uh, something that was going to be inflammatory to something else. And then they real they putting dates together that are, you know, is going to upset something to somebody else. And then the other person realizes that that's upsetting to this other person. And then they know that it's going to be upsetting to this other person. But then they 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 go, "Oh, I didn't realize that I said that date and that that was going to be upsetting to you. And then the other person, you know, goes, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize, you know, and they just, they, they just play it off as, as, as if they didn't realize that that date was going to be upsetting. I had no idea. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. I didn't realize, you know, that sort of thing. You know, they'll make a dish and give it to the other person and the dish has something in it that the person is allergic to, like cashews. And then the other person gets an allergic reaction from it. And then they say, I didn't realize it had cashews in it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I, 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 I didn't realize that. They did realize that. But, you know, they play it off like they didn't know. Plausible deniability. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that when I was going to do something on your computer that that was going to delete that off of your computer and off your calendar. So I'm so stupid. You know, that sort of thing. And and they do know that when they were going to do that, that I was going to delete it off your calendar. Plausible deniability plausible deniability, undermining you, but acting like I didn't know that that was going to happen, to avoid taking responsibility, to avoid... But everybody else, when you tell that story, everybody else goes, well, I'm sure that that was inadvertent because they're so nice, because they're such a good person. I'm sure that that couldn't have been on purpose. Oh, you're making too much of it. You know, that that sort of thing. You know, when you try to tell other people, I think you're just making too much. And then when they're telling other people, they go, you know, I was just trying to be helpful. I was just trying to be nice. Gosh, you know, they they do they really think that I would try to make them sick on purpose? That's just so crazy. You know, that sort of thing. And sometimes I do believe they really believe their stuff. Like they really think that I would be that horrible of a person. And they start to even believe their own lies sometimes. It actually is like that crazy making. And so I I believe that the worst secret weapon that they have is this plausible deniability where they actually start to make you think that you're absolutely crazy and the world cannot see it. The world cannot see it at all. And you are just over time 
It's like death by a thousand cuts. And it's it's like not so bad that you just feel like you can you can go to the world and go, look, he, this person's beating me or this person's cheating on me or this person is that bad. You know, it's these little tiny things over the years that just add up, add up, add up where you're just sucks at your soul over time and you just, it drains the life out of you over time. And so that's why I think it's just so insidious and so horrible. And they have this way also of sort of this double language and this double, you know, like saying things, these like kind of things that almost look like compliments, but they're not actually compliments. And it's it's very, very insidious the way covert narcissists work on you and work on your brain. And they're they're extremely, extremely toxic and extremely, extremely poisonous. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash negotiate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Let's talk about the kinds of things that you hear coming out of the mouth of what we refer to as a covert narcissist. Sometimes people refer to them as like the downtrodden type of narcissist, the vulnerable narcissist, you know, the fragile narcissist. But, you know, a lot of times they don't, they don't really come off that way. I dealt with a couple of covert passive aggressive narcissists. They can actually kind of seem confident on the surface at times. But the, the thing that is the same about covert narcissists is they often play the victim. They often will play the victim of you. 
So what they do is they target certain people, but then they make themselves seem like life isn't fair. Things aren't fair to them. And especially when they're dealing with a particular person who is going to be you, their target. And so they set themselves up like they are very put together a lot of times. Many times they actually can be clergy, they can be lawyers, they can be doctors, they can be very, very successful people in the world, but are very good at making themselves look like they are the victims of certain things. And so it can make you seem like you should feel guilty about the kinds of things that you're doing even though you have given and given and given and given and given. And that is the thing that is like so unbelievable about the relationship with the covert narcissist. Because you get into these relationships with them, you start off by thinking it's going to be equal or or that it's going to be a great thing. And then somehow you end up with this dynamic where you think that you're going to get something out of it, but then you end up doing everything in the relationship. So one of the things that you're going to hear is like, must be nice that so many people are taking such great care of you or something. And yet you're like the one who's like taking care of them all the time. You're doing everything for them. And it's kind of crazy yet they're like, you don't pay enough attention to me. You you don't make me feel special. And you're literally like killing yourself for them. You don't get anything out of the, the relationship. And yet they're over there saying, you don't make me feel special. You don't make me feel you pay enough attention to me. And it, it's like, that's crazy. So one of the things you'll hear is, It must be nice that so many people take care of you. Another thing that you'll hear is they'll say things that are sort of almost like a compliment, but then not really quite a compliment. So they might say things like, oh, wow, you you lost so much weight. Oh, but it's too bad about the stretch marks. Or that's really great that you um, were able to finish school that way. You know, you went back to college. That wasn't really that great of a school or something like that. You know, there's like a compliment, but then sort of a put down at the same time. Or too bad it took you so long to get through college. You know, I mean, I know you had all the kids and everything. You know, like if you went back to school when you had kids afterwards or something, there's a compliment, but also sort of a put down at the same time. So there's like a passive aggressive thing because there's this underlying rage, this underlying need to compete, this underlying thing that they can't quite be happy for you. They can't quite get there because they, they're they just extremely, extremely unhappy, insecure, jealous, vengeful people underneath it all. But on the surface, they seem like wonderful people, kind people, 
They'll be the first people to show up if you're sick, the first people to show up if you're in the hospital, taking care of people. And so everybody else thinks that they're so wonderful and so kind. So one of the other things that you'll hear them say is no one appreciates me. No one appreciates all the good things that I do for everybody else. I don't get acknowledged. You know, they take care of everybody else, but they don't get anything in return. So they'll they'll say things like that. Like I do everything for everyone else, but I don't get anything in return. You know, so they'll say that sort of thing. Another thing that they'll do is they try to make people feel guilty. So they might say something like, you guys go on. I'll just stay here. I'll be here all alone. No problem. It's okay if I'm here by myself. The guilt factor. It's fine. I'll be fine. You know, so everybody feels guilty for them. That sort of thing. You know, I can never get what I want. It's not fair. I can never get what I want. That sort of thing. The other thing that they'll say is, you know, that they're too smart. You know, they feel like they're too good for something or too good for a a place or too good for being in certain situations. They feel like they're slumming it in certain places or something like that. They don't like that. You know, there's that sort of underlying thing that there's maybe they could do better. You know, sometimes if they're dating people, they're, they're kind of, maybe not happy in that relationship because they always feel like they could do a little bit better in in the relationship that they're in. The other thing that you'll see with covert narcissists a lot of times is that they pit people against each other, especially, you know, two other parties, but they do it very very subtly. I've seen this happen. And and then they play dumb about it. You know, they they get two people to be against each other. And then they'll be like, oh, I, I don't know how they ended up fighting. Oh my gosh, how did that happen? Did I say something? Oh, I certainly didn't mean to. That was definitely inadvertent. You know, and it's always sort of this plausible deniability where they are kind of, you know, their hands are clean. Right. Because everything they do is this innocent. Did I say that? I didn't, I didn't mean to say anything about that, you know, because they always couch their, their verbiage in like care. Cause another thing that they'll say is, I'm so concerned about Deborah. You know, she's just drinking so much. I'm just really worried about her and her drinking. My, you know, I'm just so concerned about that. That's something else that you'll hear a covert narcissist say is they're concerned. They couch, they couch the things that they say, even though they're they're really smearing. It's a smear campaign, but they couch it in the form of concern. You know, they're very good. They're very good. They're very stealth. And that's why I think that covert narcissists are really the most dangerous type of narcissist, frankly. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. I don't want these people in my space and you shouldn't have them in there either. So if you have to continue to co-parent with them or you have to continue to live with them in some way, then, you know, 
figure out a way to protect yourself so that when they do these things, you're no longer going to be sucked into it. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I mean, I think a lot of us end up hustling for our worthiness because we just don't feel it inside, right? And so, and and I think that that's, that's definitely the heart of narcissism. And now we return to today's show. would love to know some of the other things that you guys have seen, especially covert passive aggressive narcissists, because I think it's pretty crazy the kinds of things that I, I've i seen narcissists say, especially covert narcissists. It's really pretty crazy. Now, if you are dealing with a covert narcissist or any kind of narcissist, whether they're overt or grandiose or malignant or covert is what we're going to be talking about today, or a combination of any of the kinds of narcissists, then you're dealing with a hellish personality, a heinous personality. But there are some things about covert narcissists that can make them even more insidious than the other types of narcissists. And for those of you who have watched my other videos, uh, which you will want to check out on covert narcissism in relationships and the covert passive aggressive narcissist, and I'll drop links to those below, you know that I have a personal experience with dealing with covert narcissists, uh, not as husbands, but as um, people who were close to me who I became the target of these heinous creatures. So this is the kind of narcissist that I personally disdain the most. So in some ways, this is like my PSA, my, my public service announcement to warn you, to warn you against these personality type or this personality type and what to look for in this personality type. So one of the things that you should know about covert narcissists is that they are 100% narcissists. So they have what Dr. Craig Malkin calls the triple E, which is that they exploit, they feel entitled, and they lack empathy. So they still are all 100% narcissists 
like all narcissists are. And the other little kind of dangerous thing about covert narcissists is that they can sometimes be grandiose narcissists that act covert, which is kind of confusing too. You know, sometimes these different types of narcissists actually vacillate back and forth between the the various signs of the types of narcissists they are. But what I'm going to be talking about today is actually more of your pure covert narcissist, which is the kind that I've actually had to deal with and why I think that they're so dangerous because, you know, if I could be fooled, then anybody can be fooled. And I really just had to literally work these people out of my life and, um, the, the last year. So, and, and it was not easy and they still try to pop back up and pop back in because that's what narcissists do. They never really let go. They never really, um, move on completely. You know, sometimes it can be years before they pop back up again, but that you can kind of minimize it and protect yourself in a lot of ways. And that's why I'm doing this video because I want you to know the signs of abuse, okay? So the thing about covert narcissists is that they don't look on the surface like regular narcissists. Regular narcissists, what I call the garden variety narcissist, is more of your grandiose varietal, the kind that goes around telling everybody how great they are all the time. Covert narcissists don't do that. And that's one of the things that I think is so dangerous about them is that on the surface, they appear very nice. They appear like good people. Lots of people love them. They can be politicians. They can be clergy. They can be lawyers, doctors. They're often in positions of respect because of course they're narcissists. They want, they, they feed on that respect. Remember that the narcissist actually has no inner sense of internal value. They get all of their sense of value from the external. They need endless amounts of what we call supply, which is anything that beats their ego, anything that beats their external value or their feeling of external value. So supply can be in the form of money, compliments, prestige, anything that they think is going to give them more value. So here's the problem with a covert narcissist and one of the things that is so dangerous about them is you're not going to hear them say, I'm the greatest, look at my ratings, look how fantastic I am, I'm so smart, I'm the number one this, I'm the number one that, you know, without anything to back it up. They just go around saying all of those things um, because they, they, they feed on that. They need to have it, okay? So what a covert narcissist is more likely to do is put themselves in positions where they're going to get all of that, but they're not actually going to have to say it, at, you know, overtly. And so we're told that, you know, narcissists are brash, braggadocious, loud, assertive, well- the thing is that covert narcissists 
don't come in that format. They're usually much nicer. They start off by, you know, giving you lots of things that their version of love bombing is often being the perfect person for you. And, you know, they can put you in positions that you want to be in or give you speaking engagements that you think that you want or introduce you to the person that you want to be introduced to, or they're the perfect cook or the perfect mother or, you know, whatever it is that you want, this person just seems so nice and so wonderful. And yes, uh, malignant narcissists can do that too, but the difference with uh, covert narcissists is that they don't come off that way, you know, where they're loud and braggadocious and flashy um, they come off as really nice, sometimes even quiet, sometimes passive, sometimes demure. So that's one of the things that I think is super dangerous about covert narcissists. One of the other things that I think is really dangerous about covert narcissists is that they come off looking very successful often on the surface. And, um, you know, Grandiose and, and malignant narcissists can do this too, but grand, grandiose narcissists come off as super ambitious, super successful, whereas the covert narcissist is often, you know, they, 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 they make it look like they've had that sort of success, but if you look just beneath the surface, they haven't actually gotten that success. And so they have a lot of bitterness and resentment about the fact that, you know, everybody else has more success than they do. And, you know, that their their failures or other people's faults because, you know, something happened with their business or this person sabotaged them in some way, um, or maybe um, they were just getting going and they had to close their business or they had to move or they something happened. And so they have all of these sort of failed ambitions and feeling of emptiness. And, and they often feel, um, have a tremendous sense of depression and emptiness. And sometimes they'll even tell you that they have bouts of depression, but they don't tell you it's because of their failures in business. They'll tell you it's, you know, just that they have these afflictions because one of the other thing about things about covert narcissists is, you know, they often um, are very good at playing the victim. All narcissists do that, but the way covert narcissists do it is that they're kind of sad and, um, you know, people aren't treating them well and they just didn't get a good lot in life and, um, you know, the world is unfair uh, to them and and so, you know, they end up feeling depressed and empty and, and you know, they often have sicknesses um, so that they can, you know, get sympathy from people around them, um, garner lots of pity from people. Oh, so-and-so's always getting a bad deal. You know, there's a lot of payoff sometimes for, for being a victim. And, um, you know, a, a, a covert narcissist thrives on that payoff from being the victim. 
So the other thing about covert narcissists that I think is super dangerous is that they're super passive aggressive. And this is the one thing that really was like very confusing for me and the two passive aggressive narcissists that I had to deal with, the covert ones, um, is that they would do these little things that on the surface would seem so nice you know, oh, here I did this for you. And you know, it, but while they're they're doing this thing for you, they're crossing a boundary. Um, or they don't do something that they say they're going to do. And then when you ask them about it, it's, oh, I forgot. Or, oh, I, I misunderstood you. Or, oh, we had a conversation about that, remember? And we decided to do this. And it's absolutely not something that we decided to do, but it's it's them trying to make an excuse for behavior that they know has been hurtful to you. And so they try to get you to say that, you know, basically you went along with that. Um, and, and when you try, and it's such, it's little things, it's that little drip, drip, drip on your forehead, little things Um in Debbie Mirza's book, The Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissist, she gives an example of a husband who would go into Starbucks to get coffee and the wife would stay in the car and the husband would say, what is, what, what do you want anything? And she'd say, yeah, I'll have, you know, a vanilla latte or whatever. And he'd get back in the car and start to drive away. And she'd say, what happened to my latte? And he'd say, oh, I forgot to get it for you. But then he wouldn't go back into the, the place to get it. So, you know, it, it, and it was like a little thing. If you tell somebody, oh, I didn't get the latte that I wanted, then you come off sounding petty. Um, and you, you start to think, well, do I blow up a whole marriage over that? I mean, that seems so ridiculous. But what they're really trying to do is send you this message, send you this message that they think so little of you or that you're not worthy in some way because that's how narcissists get supply. They get supply by, by building themselves up and cutting you down. And so they do these little tiny things that in the surface, if you tell somebody about it, it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal. They're very, very passive aggressive and it can leave you feeling confused and, and after a while abused and actually traumatized because of the way they act. And if this is sounding really familiar to you, give me a totally in the comments. Is that they're 100% narcissists but they are really, really good at being manipulative, very good at hiding their manipulation, very good at disguising it as something else, as disguising it as that, you know, I just, you know, did this little thing for you. And, 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 and you know that the hair on the back of your neck is standing up like that's not something nice. You know, one of the things that I've heard during this, um, I'm taping this while we're still in this global pandemic, is, you know, that the covert narcissist in people's lives are leaving food by the door. And, and you know, you know that that's like a message of, I know where you live, or I still have control over you, or I know what you want. Um, 
But the rest of the world is like, oh, the person left you a care package. How is that bad? Why is that? Well, you know, we all know that the person is so nice. We all know that the person is such a good person. So what's your problem? And so while they're lining up their flying monkeys and they're telling everybody, you know, how wonderful they are or how wronged they've been by you, because, you know, oftentimes you actually look like the stronger person because they've pushed put themselves in this light of being the nice, caring, kind person. So you obviously must be the one that is wronging them in some way. And you almost feel paralyzed to like, how do you even um, right that wrong of what people are thinking about you? And the way I've just come to deal with it is number one, I have major boundaries. I do not look at what these other people are doing. I don't look at their social media. I've blocked them on my social media so that they can't see what I'm doing and, you know, continue to, you know, have access to what I'm doing. I don't want them to think that I'm interested in what they're doing at all because I'm not. I just want to look forward, not back. I don't want their energy in my space. I don't want to even be thinking about them. When I go to think, when, when, when one of them pops into my mind, I pivot immediately because the, the way I look at it is if I'm thinking about them, then I am not in creation mode. I'm not helping people. I'm not doing things like making these videos and helping you guys so that you can look forward also and concentrate on your now and the rest of your life and creating an incredible future. And so I just learned how to pivot and create major boundaries because I don't want these people in my space and you shouldn't have them in there either. So if you have to continue to co-parent with them, or you have to continue to live with them in some way, then, you know, figure out a way to protect yourself so that when they do these things, you're no longer going to be sucked into it, you know, and certainly do not let them see you be upset by their behavior because then they know that they have you. Then, then they know that they still have this little modicum of control over you. So here comes more, here comes more. So, you know, the less you can interact, the the more you can show that you aren't interested and you direct your energies elsewhere, then that vibrational energy of connection that you still have with that person will eventually peter off and hopefully eventually die. So if you are dealing with a covert passive-aggressive narcissist in your life, they can be the most dangerous kind of narcissist because they are the most sneaky, the most insidious, the most stealth, and in some ways the most toxic because of how good they are about hiding their narcissism and being under the radar. And so if that is you, I'm sending you blessings. I'm sending you light from one survivor thriver to another 
you can do this. Just follow the light, get them the hell out of your life. The first thing that you're going to want to do is pay attention to their inconsistent behavior. The key to a covert narcissist and unveiling a covert narcissist is paying close attention to their inconsistent behavior. Because even though they've got that fake smile on their face all the time, they are very inconsistent in their behavior. They, while they present themselves as kind and empathetic and understanding, their actions do not align with these qualities. So look for discrepancies between what they say and what they do. If you notice a stark difference and, and contrast between their behavior and what they're actually doing, you're probably looking at a covert narcissist and you can even call them out on it. Hey, you know, you said that you were going to do this. Why aren't you doing this? How come this is showing up over here? Because they will do things that they're not supposed to be doing. You need to call them out on that behavior. The next thing is recognizing their manipulative tactics. They are skilled manipulators and their tactics are often very, very subtle, but you will see them and you're going to start to see them fairly early on in the relationship, even though they're subtle. And what they try to do is they make them so subtle that they're hoping that you're not going to say anything. They want to use guilt they want to use passive aggressive behavior. They want to play the victim to control and manipulate others. They try to make you feel like, don't come at me with uh, making me do the thing that I said that I was going to do because I'm sick or because my parents are sick and I have to take care of them. You know, you wouldn't make me be accountable for the thing that I said that I was going to do, would you? Because I'm sick or my parents are sick, right? What kind of a person are you? So watch out in your tactics when you're dealing with these this person. If you find yourself constantly confused or constantly being made to feel guilty, you're being manipulated. It's a red flag for that their true intentions are are being veiled and you're trying to be made to feel guilty. By the way, I have a video on 10 kick-ass comebacks to shut down narcissists. Highly recommend that you rec- you uh, check out that video. All right. The next one is look for a lack of genuine empathy, not just for yourself, but for other people. Genuine empathy is a trait that all narcissists lack. So while covert narcissists may appear to be empathetic on the surface, eventually you're going to see that it's very superficial and it's very self-serving. Observe how they respond to emotions. Observe how they respond to your struggles. Observe how they respond to other people's struggles. Do they genuinely show care? Do they genuinely offer support? Do they genuinely respond to how people are, are feeling. How are, how are they when people are in conversation? Are they constantly redirecting conversation back to themselves? Genuine empathy takes 
real efforts, right? It takes active listening. It takes understanding. It shows compassion. Are they apologizing? Are they recognizing when they weren't fully engaged in a conversation? Do they come back? Do they notice things? Are they self-aware? And you'll you'll see it. And if you're not in it, it's it will it, it will start to wear away at you after a while. You'll start to feel exhausted in being in this relationship. You'll start to feel drained. And if that happens, you're going to start to need support. So make sure you get the support and help that you need because I was in a relationship with a covert narcissist and you're going to start to feel like you're going crazy after a while and nobody's going to understand because everyone's going to think, oh, that sounds, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, maybe it was inadvertent, you know, and if that starts happening, get the help and support that you need. Join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. Get therapy if you need it with a therapist who understands narcissism. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung if you can't get the help and support that you need with through your own network. We receive commissions on that because they're a sponsor for us, but we just want you to have help and support that you trust. It doesn't cost you any extra. So the next one is assess their constant need for validation. Covert narcissists constantly need to be admired they constantly need to be complimented. They crave constant attention and praise because they have this very fragile self-esteem. So they constantly need to be complimented. Did I do a good job? Look at me. Look at the work that I did. If that would have happened if it weren't for me, look at that. If that's constantly happening, if they're constantly needing to direct the conversation back to themselves to get praise and and they don't get attention and and they get resentful if they don't get attention, if they're resentful because they're feeling like they were left out, or if they're not getting the admiration that they feel like they deserve, then there's a problem, right? If their self-worth is is depending on this external um, validation, it's a clear sign that they're hiding behind these narcissistic traits. You know in your gut that something is going on. If you're starting to feel that, your your little spidey sense is starting to turn on there, maybe you start to make a plan. All right. And that leads me to my last one here, which is trust your intuition, trust your gut, because you know it's it's happening. It's on. And if that's the case, I know for me, I should have gotten out a whole lot sooner than I did. If something feels off, it probably is off. Listen to that inner voice inside yourself. They're very skilled at manipulation and then you're in it and you're in it for way longer than you should have been. Trust yourself that person is not authentic. They're not the person that they said they're <laughs> that they are. Their actions are not aligning with their words. And then you're going to end up having an enemy in, on your hands when you actually try to get out of this thing. And the deeper in you are, the harder it's going to be to get out of this thing. And then you're going to need something to get out of it. So when you are going to negotiate with a narcissist, grab my free crush my negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Winmynegotiation.com. You're going to need it. It's a free ebook. Make sure you grab it. Also, make sure you get my 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 new book, Slay the Bully, slaythebully.com, because you're going to need that too. All right. So there you have it, folks. 
five powerful strategies to unveil the mask of a covert narcissist by paying attention to this inconsistent behavior and recognizing their manipulative tactics, looking for that lack of genuine empathy, assessing their constant need for validation and trusting your intuition, you're going to be so much better equipped to see through their deceptive facade, right? And know when it's time to skedaddle. You need outrageous methods for taming those covert narcissists because I think they're the most dangerous ones. They're the stealthiest kind of narcissists. They're the ones that everybody else thinks are the nice ones, the kind ones, the sweet ones, the humble ones, the humanitarians. Everybody else thinks they're wonderful. If I had a dollar for every time somebody would say to me, oh my goodness, she's so nice. She's so wonderful. She's so amazing. For the two covert narcissists that were in my life, I'd be, you know, a bazillionaire by now. Seriously, you just want to think that you're crazy. You think that you're crazy because everybody else thinks they are like the most in, insanely wonderful person, people on the planet. And that's why you don't want to tell anybody about it because you start to feel like if I tell anybody about these people, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to be on my side. No one's going to support me in this. Everyone's going to think I'm a terrible person. Everyone's going to think I'm the bad one. Everyone's going to think I'm the not likable one. There must be something wrong with me because obviously I don't get along with this person or I I'm the one that this person went after, or maybe I just don't see it. It just goes on and on and on. And when it comes to these covert narcissists, it, it's just the, the most nightmarish experience of your life because they are passive aggressive, because the methods that they use are so incremental, so tiny, so under the radar. And the way they do it is their hands remain clean in a law setting. We used to call it like, are your hands clean? And that's the way I look at it with narcissists, these covert narcissists. They keep their hands clean. You know, they're able to do things in such a way that they don't have anything coming back to them, that plausible deniability so that they can sit there and go wide-eyed and innocent. What? Not me. I didn't mean it like that. Or how could you accuse me of such a thing? I certainly always have your best interests at heart. I love you and I support you, you know, and so you just cannot ever feel like you can attack them because they become the victim, because they make you feel guilty, because no one will believe you. And so you have to protect yourself in every possible way. I mean, when it comes to these people, it's just insanity. 
I mean, if I told you the stories of the things that I dealt with with these people, you wouldn't even believe it. And so I know what it's like to deal with them. I do know. And I had to get myself out of these situations before I even had access to information like mine, videos that are out there, like you guys have access to. You know, you guys have so many more resources now available to you than I ever did. When somebody first mentioned to me that I was dealing with a covert narcissist or covert passive aggressive narcissist, the number of resources available on that was so skinny, so thin that I was so desperate and hungry for information. But now you guys have a lot more available to you. So that is something to definitely be grateful for. And you have access to support, which is also something to be very, very grateful for as well. Because you know that you're not the crazy one. You know that it's them and not you, which is also something to be grateful for and feel very blessed about. And you do need to have support. And by the way, if you need additional support, definitely join my free private Facebook group. And if you need additional help, get my free phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenarc.com, disarmthenarc.com, get those for sure. And if you need support in dealing with them and you don't have access to your own therapist, we have a sponsor here on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung and get that help and support that you need. We receive commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra, but it, we just want you to have access to help and support that you need. Okay. So number one, be indifferent to them. Be indifferent to them. That is one of the most, it seems outrageous, but just absolutely almost like your eyes are glazing over. I mean, yes, go no contact, of course, but if you have to be in contact with them, which there are times that you do, it's almost like you are a pod or a Stepford wife or a, a robot you know, if you're a man, you know, you just like, oh yeah, hello. Uh-huh. Mm, I see you there. Yep. Nice to see you again. Great. Mm-hmm. You're just almost like a, a robot in interacting with them. You're just completely indifferent. I see you, you know, you, anything about you doesn't affect me. I'm not bristling in any way. I'm not upset in any way. You know, I don't feel like running. I don't have any sweat on my forehead or my nose. I just am going about my day. You know, that's number one. You know, you're just completely oblivious. You know, that's the kind of thing that I did. You know, they will step up their game and do more and more outrageous things to get your attention. And you're just outrageously like, okay, I see that you're showing up at this outrageous place that you totally don't belong at. Okay. Hello. 
I see you here. Mm-hmm. That's nice. You know, ignore. So that's number two, ignore any and all attempts by them to get a rise out of you, to get attention from you, to get supply from you in any way, shape, or form. So they're going to try to get supply from you. You know, they're going to befriend your friends. They're going to start showing up at crazy places. Suddenly now you notice that they're friends with this person or now they're hanging out with your other family members or just crazy things to try to get you to have some reaction. And you're just going to be like, okay, great. That's wonderful for you. Congratulations. Wonderful. Good for you. You know, nothing will be of any interest for you that is anything, you know, wonderful, you know, like it's all the same, you know, as if you're just drinking your morning coffee and eating your cereal. Every single thing is exactly like that. Every single thing. Ignore any and all attempts to get any rise. It's all like this for you. Every single thing that they do. Everything. It's just like you're reporting the news. Oh, I see that you're doing this now. Never explain, justify, or overshare. You're just reporting facts. You're just looking at things. You're observing. You're just like flat like that. Okay? That's number two. Number three is you're going to block all channels of communication. Every single thing. Block them on social media. Block every single thing. This is what I did. You block everything. You do not want to see them in your feed. You do not want to look at them. You do not want to be triggered by them. You don't want them looking at you. You don't want them showing up in your email. You don't want them texting you. Make it so that their emails go directly to your junk box. So block all channels of communications and their minions also. You don't want their little minions contacting you. Block them. Number four, succeed beyond their wildest dreams. You make it so that you are so successful and so beyond what it is that they ever imagined that you don't even care what it is that they're doing because you don't need them. You don't need their supply. You don't need their validation. You don't need any conversations with them because you don't need any kind of supply from them at all. Who cares about anything with them? That's super outrageous. That will tame them completely. And number five, this will tame them beyond tame them. This is the worst one of all and the best one for you. Wipe them from the CPU of the memory of your brain like they never existed. Who cares? 
because you just move on with your life. You are successful beyond your wildest dreams. You have blocked them from all channels of communication. You have completely, you know your value and worth. You you know who you are. That is the most outrageous method for taming a covert narcissist. And that is the most outrageous method for yourself. And that is how you truly break free. That's the best. Now, how do you do that? How do you really move on from a narcissist, right? That's the true question. That's like the big question. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring, and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.